This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hungry Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. 46 to 10, the final. Hopefully if I can slam Big John's title, I'll get 15000 extra. So uh, that'll be a good incentive for me. Here we go. Do this. Without further ado, it is my great honor to announce that Jim Covert has been selected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Centennial Class. I'm excited because I think you're just going to be a tremendous Hall of Famer and a great ambassador for the game. Oh, thank you, David. I really appreciate that. Thank you for the sentiments. And what a, what a call this morning. I, was, I was, wasn't expecting it. I was hoping. And finally, I want to thank all my Bears teammates, but in particular, my teammates on the offensive line. We were very fortunate that the same five of us played together for seven years in my career. Mark Bortz, Jay Hilgenberg, Tom Thayer, and Keith Van Horn. I can't think of four better guys that I would rather line up to next to on any Sunday. We're back with more of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook pregame show on Sports Radio 670 The Score with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Olin Krutz. Brought to you by Bet Rivers Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today. Yes, indeed, it's the pregame show, and we are delighted to welcome in. One of the all-time great Bears, a Hall of Famer, as you heard there. Jimbo Covert joins us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Jimbo, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Molly. How'd you get so lucky to be hanging out with a couple offensive linemen every Sunday? <laughs> How lucky are you? <laughs> yeah, you know it. Um, so what's it like, Jimbo, now when you sign your autographs, even personal checks, you have to put the, the hashtag <laughs> HOF next to it. <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. But um, No, it's, it, it, it's, it's pretty cool. And, um you know, it's been a been a heck of a experience in this whole past year and, you know, after the Hall of Fame and everything. I think the greatest thing about it was just being able to spend it and celebrate with family and friends and teammates. That that was the, 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 the greatest thing for me, the best thing about it. You know, Jimbo, um, obviously playing offensive line in Chicago, uh, like, like, you know, Pat, when he first came in, he was an offensive lineman, as I did for so many years, seeing guys like you around, uh, and the way you always treated us so good, and, and just to see you go in the Hall of Fame was a great honor for us. So mm-hmm. just want to congratulate you on air and just let everybody know that uh, no one treated us better uh, than you did when I saw you out. I always, always had so much respect for you. But I want to ask you a question, obviously a um, big fan of his, uh, Harry Heastan's a friend of mine, about I, I read a lot about how, how high regard you held Joe Moore and just what he taught you and how he helped develop your game. Yeah, Olin, uh, thanks for asking that because Joe Moore had such a 
you know, profound impact on my career. And, uh, you know, Harry's one of his disciples and Harry teaches it the right way. So there's just not too many guys like, you know, left like that in the NFL or even in college football, um, doing it the right way and, um, and teaching guys how to, you know, get leverage, get low, bring your feet, bring your knees, get your head back, you know, punch people. I mean, yeah, it kind of drives me crazy and I'm sure it does you and Pat, but, this lateral stepping and all the stuff and the zone blocking and, you know, just, just drives the heck out of me. makes me crazy. So, you know, um, and with, uh, you know, hit the hole, right. I mean, get some movement and, and get guys off the ball and, and uh, get some good leverage. So um, Harry teaches it the right way. And um, you see guys that have, you know, Terry has taught have, uh, have all, you know, been successful players. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe, Joe just was a tough guy to play for um, because he demanded so much from you. But, I mean, he's the, he's the reason why, you know, I had any success at all, both in college and the NFL. I mean, Joe Moore. Well, Jim, congratulations. And I was re-watching your uh, speech last night. And you said in the speech, uh, you talked about Joe Moore, and you said you couldn't tell any stories because you only allotted, what, six or eight minutes you were able to talk? My brother was lucky to play for Joe Moore at Notre Dame, and I would get weekly calls from my brother, and he'd tell me stories about Joe Moore, stuff that happened in meeting rooms or wherever. What's maybe one of your number one or two stories you didn't have enough time to tell about Joe Moore? Oh, geez. I mean, Pat, there's so many stories, but I'll tell one because Owen will like this, and you'll like it too, is, uh, you know, Russ Grimm was our center, and um, when I was a pit and, you know, Hall of Famer in his own right, and, and, um, and so – Joe got really, uh, you know, nervous because he thought that the other team were stealing our calls. So he switched all the offensive line calls the week we were playing Louisville. Luckily, it was Louisville. Back then, they weren't very good. And uh, and so so Russ went the wrong way on like 60% of the play. Right? And... and, and uh, so the next, so the next uh, week, you know, we watch the film and everything, and Joe's just really livid. He's pissed off, you know. So he goes down the line. He goes, "Okay, Jimbo, you and Paige, you got this guy. You guys got the emo. You and Mark, you got this. And if our center can go the right way, you know, maybe we can actually run a play, right?" And so he he never called Russ by his name for the whole week. He called him the center. That's it. <laughs> And then you can imagine what happened to the guy he was playing against next week, right? Oh, just oh, buried. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's how he had a way of just, uh, you know, motivate. He, he found something that you were vulnerable with, right? And he just got you on it, right? But then he just took, you know, he never let you down there too long. He always bring you back up. And he just took great pride in seeing you succeed. And that was his greatest gift, right, is the communication, the techniques, obviously. But just Joe was just such a football person, and he understood it so well. Obviously, we, we played the sound coming in of you talking about your, your uh, teammates and the offensive line. You were teammates with, as you mentioned, Russ Grimm. Mark May is Mark who you mentioned. I mean, that that is extraordinary to be around so many great players and to obviously have been the leader of both in college and in the NFL. What What is it that makes line play so much different than everything else? Well, I mean, I'm sure the guys. I mean, that's why I said, Molly, you're hanging out with offensive linemen. You know, I mean, it's just like a family within a family. You know, I mean, everybody's close and, 
you know, you have to be to play offensive line. And if you don't, you really are probably not going to be very successful. So, you know, you always see guys that gravitate towards each other. You know, you go to these off-season things and different teams and see people and even at the Hall of Fame, you know. I mean, I'm hanging out with Steve Hutchinson, you know, um, and guys like that just because, you know, you want to hang out with your own line guys, you know. I mean, you don't have much in common with anybody else really on the team and the quarterbacks, obviously because they're the leaders, but you really don't. So, I mean, you just kind of like your guys, and uh, we don't need any new friends those offensive line. Because, you know, cause when you play a bad game, when you play a bad game, um, you know, uh, and you guys know this, right? I mean, when, when, when you play a great game, you know, it, everybody else gets the credit. When it's a bad game, the offensive lineman gets to play. They never get they never get credit for a good game. So, you know, it's a fraternity, and you learn to live with that, but it's uh, – you know, I love the position. It's great. You know, uh, looking over this story, uh, like Molly just mentioned, Jimbo, it's it's crazy how many people like Jimmy Johnson recruited you to pit, right? Uh, you come to play for Mike Dick. Uh, Dick Stanfield's your coach, another well-respected offensive line coach you talked a lot about, and I hope I say his name correctly, your high school coach, Lucidor. Uh, over there at Freedom High School and just how much respect you had for him. And I'm just wondering, as a guy who loves football and I have two young boys who play ball, uh, through all these coaches, what what, what would you tell a young ball player what's most important for them uh, when they do hit the football field? Well, that's a great question. Um, You know, I just think that when you play a game like we play, it's such a great game. I mean, it's such a developer of people and and what you're about as a person. And, you know, football is such a small part of your life, you know, on the calendar. But it's such a – it's the biggest part of your life emotionally. I mean, you live it. You're a football player. You're going to have it for the rest of your life. And so – you know, um, I just think all the stuff that I learned from these coaches, and I, I took something from every one of them. And I had a couple of bad ones along the way, too, you know, like everybody does. So, you know, you learn things from them. You try to take, you know, something from each of them and just build on it, right, and and just get better and better and, and learn more about yourself as a football player and a person. And I just try to take that you know, through my career and then even after my career. I mean, the things I learned on the field and being with your teammates and, you know, all the things that, you know, sacrifice and, you know, hard work and dedication, I mean, they're just not words. I mean, you got to have that when you play a sport like this. And if you're not, you're not going to be very successful in the league very long. Jim, we were talking earlier, I guess, well, we were talking about Bill Lazor, the, the Bears offensive coordinator, was talking about practice need to be better and how they could practice better. My question for you is, what was practice like for you five guys up front going against that good defense? I mean, you were guys were one of the be- the best O line, you know, in that time, and then going against the best D line in the time. What was practice like for you guys, and who set the tempo? Well, I'll tell you what. When I first got there um, as a rookie, um, you, know, um, you know, when I was a pit, let me back up. When I was a pit, the offensive line, like we set practice tempo. Right. I mean, we were kind of the kings of the practice field. We set tempo like that. And I know when Olin was there, those guys were the same way. We set practice tempo, right? We just decide how it was going to be for the day. When I got to the Bears, it was completely opposite of that, right? And so you had guys throwing guys around, you know, like, you know, come off the whistle, hitting guys late and stuff like that. I said, you know, I got there and I was like, they're not going to do that to me. You know, I mean, I'm going to step up and, and, and show that if you want to do that somewhere else or on the other side or whatever, I really don't care. But you're not going to come on my side and do that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's how I kind of played right my rookie year. And, and um, 
And, uh, you know, I think I showed the guys that, you know, I wasn't going to take anything from anybody and I was going to show that I was belonged and, and that's what I did. So, um, but, you know, practicing against Richard and Dan Hampton and Steve McMichael, and, you know, William Perry and, you know, Mike Hardenstein, Jim Osborne. I mean, these guys, I mean, these guys were Tyrone Keys. Those guys could play now, you know, I mean, they could bring it. And, um, you know, um, I remember, I remember, you know, we never had like shells or, you know, like, I mean, I didn't even know what that was. My son went to the Iowa, he goes, we're in shells today, Dad. I go, what, you, what is that? I didn't even know what that was. I mean, we, we went full pads. We went full pads Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, my whole career. Full pads. And so, I mean, it's, you had to, cause you had to protect yourself, you know, because it was all, even on Friday, you know, on Friday, you're supposed to be, you know, short yards, goal line, two minutes, you know, someone would hit somebody and then there'd be a little bit of a scuffle. And the next thing you know, you know, I mean, there'd be a fight, right? So then full pads from that point forward, you know, and, uh, you know, but Hey, I tell you what, I wasn't going to face anybody better on Sunday and I was playing during the week. So that gets you yeah. pretty hard. I tell you that. I mean, you get, you, you, you harden yourself against teammates or against other, other, uh, opponents. I can tell you that. Jimbo, do you still watch the games? And if you do, good God, what did you see last week? Whoa. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know where to start. Uh, you know, um, I, I think if you're going to play this young kid, you got to give him a chance to win. You know, I mean, you got to get some moving pocket plays. I mean, you got to get spread the defense out a little bit. You got to get this guy out of the pocket and let him be athletic and do that because you just can't sit him back there in the pocket and expect him to get time to throw the ball. You know, this is not going to happen. And so, especially when they know that we're vulnerable in different positions, you know. And and one of the biggest things about offensive line, and I don't want to battle today, I mean, you know, sh- sure, you're going to get outside pressure and you're going to get guys coming around the corner, but it's the pressure from the inside is what really screws up quarterbacks, right? Because it gets in their line of sight, you know. They could step up a lot when you can run them past the quarterback. But that inside pressure, I'll tell you what, I mean, it's just – Gets people happy feet. They can't set. They can't set their feet and throw the ball. So I mean, you got to shore up that inside as well. And uh, you know, as many sacks as they gave up last week, I mean, they got to they got to figure out a way to get this kid out of the pocket a little bit. Hey Jimbo, I was reading about the back surgery or the, the back injury he had in 1988, and it made me think about Tevin Jenkins and what he went through with this back surgery. What what is he looking at as far as recovery and getting back to the field? You know, everybody's different, Owen, and I, I think he basically had the same surgery I did in 88, you know. And, you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't do it over again. I don't regret what I did, but it wasn't very smart. I mean, I came back and played six weeks later, you know, and then I went on IR, and um, and then I came back and played the last eight, you know, games of the year, and uh, we went to the NFC Championship game got beat. I mean, I, when you don't have a training camp, I mean, it, it's impossible to play at a, at a higher level, you know what I mean? And that's what I did. So, you know, you just miss all that, especially our training camps for, you know, six weeks or two of those. So, I mean, you were working and you are getting some work in. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, every, every surgery is different. Um, I just felt like, honestly, I was never the same player after I had surgery. I just was not. I mean, I could not do the same. I mean, I played three more years, but I, I was never the same guy, like, because – you know, you got to feel like you can go out and dominate people. And you also got to feel like you can bring, uh, you know, the power game to people and wear people out when you're out there and feeling like, you know, 
you, you maybe you're going to protect yourself a little bit and maybe not get hurt. That's not a good thing. So I'm hoping he can come back and really strengthen that core. And, you know, the other thing is just I didn't have the leverage I did, you know, what I did prior to that. It's just, you know, did more difficult, you know, um, because your back just gave you so, so many problems. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping he can come back and do the same things he did before that. Uh, I just know I wasn't able to do the same thing. So I wasn't the same player. I was more like a position player, and I hated that. So, um, but, you know, I got a chance to play three more years. So that was one thing. Let's talk about the most important thing now with your back. How's the golf game, and are you taking Dan Marino's money? <laughs> yeah, heck yeah. Well, you know what? I, I couldn't play. I couldn't play for my first, you know, uh, two probably two or three years after I was done because my back was just, you know, a mess because I had surgery, you know, and I went on IR in '91. So, um, but uh, yeah, I'm hitting it pretty good again, and um, you know, had to had to kind of. I always say I got a surgically groove swing. You know, with, uh, with with my back, with my back and both my shoulders and my elbow, right? It's surgically grooved, so, uh, but it still works. And I had a knee. I'll tell you what, the worst one was probably my, when I had my knee replaced, you know, and my ankle reconstructed. That was probably, you know, that was difficult to transfer weight a little bit, but I'm getting back to it now. I'm playing a little better. Jimbo, always a joy to talk to you. Really appreciate it. And, again, congratulations. Well earned uh, being in the Hall of Fame. You got it, Molly. Hey, Pat. Olin, yep. Thanks for having me on. Great talking to thanks, you guys. Thanks, Jimbo, man. Congrats. Yeah, it's always great chatting with you. That is Jimbo Covert, and uh, and we got to get to a break, but I want to get Olin's uh, final comment on the game. Do you have a pick for the game? We are all 3-0, and I might add. <laughs> I got, I, got, I got the Bears' defensive line dominating today. I got some semblance of a run game uh, from the Chicago Bears. I think they use fields a little better today. Uh, I think the Bears win 24 to 10. Hmm. Nice. Wow. Two touchdown win. Mm-hmm. The Bears scoring two touchdowns is the headline. Well, there. no, I didn't say how they, I, you know. <laughs> I, I, it could I, be defense. I, listen, I got, I got Eddie Jackson scoring today. I got a lot of ways we're scoring <laughs> touchdowns, okay? All right, Pat, we're going to get your pick when we come back. It is the uh, the pregame show. Big game coming up here. Let's hope. Everyone, start your novena. You needed to start that about a week ago. It's the, it's the pregame show here on The Score. One of the things I love about Matt is he's always operated with like a very collaborative, humble mindset. You know, I think it's only natural to lean on your staff, the players executing the plays, and to come up with the best collective game plan. And Jeff, we have a lot of experience on that offensive staff. We have a lot of experience on our offense with the veteran players on that side of the ball. And I think they all have ownership in the corrections from week to week, and it was no different this past week. Oh, yeah. It's the uh, it's the pregame show. Mully, Olin, Krutz, Patrick Manley, and it's presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today, and that's uh, – that's Ryan Pace. That's the unmistakable voice, uh, and he—that's his pregame hit from our sister station WBBM. And Patrick, uh, we're going to get to the picks. We also have to rattle off some of the uh, statistics here. W- what's your take when you hear Ryan Pace congratulate uh, Matt Nagy for collaboration? <laughs> Does that mean there's a new play call? What, what do you take that for? I take it as he's just bought into his guys. You know what I mean? It's this is his ship. Um, you know, he's going to go down with it, I think. Um, and I just think he's trying to give confidence to, you know, the people he's brought in here to 
to try to be successful, and it's just not working. And I, I, I hope it changes today, and I hope Matt Nagy can scheme something better up. But I just see him just you know standing ground with his guys. That's what I see, and it's it's unfortunate. And I've said it before today. I've said it before the show that you know it, this started back in March or whenever when they made the decision to to bring everybody back. So they're just they're gonna they're gonna go down with the ship if it continues to burn like it is like it was last week and. and Hopefully it doesn't continue doing that, but I just think he's standing with his guys. He just he's got their back, and that's what it is. Okay, so we know that um, they there are 32 teams in the NFL, <laughs> and the Bears are 32nd, dead last in the whole league in total yards. They have 575 in yards per game. They have 191.7 yards per play. They average 3.3 total passing yards, 272. Passing yards per game, 90.7. Passing yards per attempt. Get a load of this one. 3.2 yards per attempt. My God. And, of course, they uh, they lead the league in one category. That would be sack rate. 17.9% uh, of their pass plays end in a sack. I, I don't know how you look at those numbers. I, it, that is shocking how bad yeah. they have been to open the season. Well, those are just ugly numbers, but when you compare them, I went back and compared them to like the first place teams in the league. Mm. So Seattle is averaging 7.4 yards per play. And then you said the Bears are averaging 3.2. So that's 32nd. Miami, who is not doing well either, is, is averaging four yards per play. So that just tells you how bad the, that, that 32nd number is. I mean, it's just, it's awful. They also, you said, what, 575 total yards. Yeah, uh, that's that's 127 less than the team right above them. It's 838 yards less than the first place Raiders. I mean, that's that's you 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 read off some terrible numbers, but then you put it in context of where are these number one teams are, and then the number 31 teams are. They're still way below them. I mean, that's how bad it is. I mean, it's horrifically horrifically bad if that if that goes together. Yeah, you know, and, it, and the Bears obviously announced this week they had a purchase agreement in Arlington Heights. I don't know if you saw the uh, the thing that was going around the Internet at 47 yards per week. It'll take <laughs> yeah. them 67 years to get to Arlington Heights. I mean, it's, you just open yourself up to any kind of clever remark anyone wants to make and to, to come back with, well, you know, we're really collaborative. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't seem – as if that is a good enough answer at this point. It, it's not. And when he admitted he went to his his players to yeah. get input for his system, I, I I don't I would never do that as a head coach. I would maybe bring in the quarterback, the center, uh, Allen Robinson. I'm not asking everybody. I'm not putting myself in front of my 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 my, uh, my players like that and basically admitting I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> that's that's what I heard when when I heard that. That just. I, it, to me, it was kind of embarrassing. I mean, you just you don't do that, and then you hear, you know, some guys stood up and said something, some guys didn't say anything, but you just don't put yourself in front of your your, your team like that and, and make yourself look like you don't know what you're doing. I thought that was very poor. He he talked about it, the the exact way he worded it, and it was really interesting. He talked about how they had great conversations, coaches with players, coaches with coaches, players with players. And players with coaches. Now, coaches with players and players with coaches seems like the same conversation, only the way he worded it, it sounded like the players then talked to the coaches after talking to each other. And if I were him, the thing I would worry most about in all of that is players and players talking. 
because yes. I think that players know what the hell's going on on a team. They yeah. know who should play and who shouldn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've been through it. it well, it's unbelievable. You're, you're right. So at the end of my career with uh, Tressman's first year with us, players were talking to players. You knew there was some writing on the wall that it didn't look so good for the next year. And it just uh, didn't feel comfortable in the building. And I think as a player, you know, you know, like, all right, the end is near. This isn't working at all. How do we kind of right the ship? How do we try to make this better ourselves? We'll work with the coaches, obviously, but there's just not a good feeling in the building uh, when we had that with Mark Tressman. I don't know if that's exactly what's going on with Hallis Hall right now, but that went on with us. And you know that um, it, it's just not a good, it's not a healthy place to go to work every day. It's not a good place to go prepare for Sunday games. And um, and yet, if they win today, they're two and two. They they got they got Eddie Goldman back, right? Yeah, and hopefully yeah. he can hold up. I'm very curious to see how they use him. How many play? I mean, how many plays do you expect from him? And is this sort of a warm up to the game in L.A. because he'd help a ton against a a big offensive line with the Raiders and their and their uh, penchant for running. No, I agree. But, you know, I, I think the the D-line's held up pretty well without him. Yep. I thought yep. uh, Kyrus Tongas played pretty darn well. You got Mario Edwards back last week, who was very good at uh, pass rusher inside. I don't think he's going to make that big of a difference. But I, I think, you know, another body in there will help. But I, I, I feel like the the guys that have filled in for him have done a pretty good job. Unless, unless he comes in and all of a sudden is a superior pass rusher. He's a decent pass rusher as a nose guard. That's not going to happen. I don't expect it to happen. But... Um, today will be a game, yeah, like you said, going against the Raiders later on in their run game. I think the Lions are going to try to do the same thing with Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift. So he could help that out quite a bit, but I don't think he's going to be a huge difference maker. And you talked about going 2-2. Two and two. You go down and look at the schedule after the Lions game. Yeah. All right, say they are 2-2. Two and two. Yeah. You got the uh, at the Raiders, you got the Packers, you're at the Buccaneers, San Francisco at home, and then you're at the Steelers, and then you have a bye. That doesn't look good. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. And I think that, you know, they they bragged about overcoming a six-game losing streak before. So that keep that in the back of your mind. It's, it's real <laughs> to do it. stuff. Yeah. No, I, I, and I'm joking. But if you mm-hmm. win today, that that's a, it's a double whammy, right? Because it's a, you're back to 500. You've won in the division. So that changes, I mean, I don't think it changes the narrative because it's going to be really hard to forget what happened in Cleveland. Yes. But if you win today and you somehow got out to, to Oakland and, and stuffed the running game and, and won that game, and I'm not saying they will, then all of a sudden you're coming home for first place in the division. And, and I get it. When you look at the larger picture, it, you know, it's a disaster. And things mm-hmm. are probably never as bad as they look or never as good as uh, they look. But they look awful bleak and awful bad. I just I just can't underscore enough how they've got to win this week for the reason that you just said. All the games coming up, the, the hint of confidence it would give them. Hey, you know, Pat, we're going to be doing this the whole year regardless. Yeah, we need them to win. <laughs> oh, 100%, no doubt. And, I, and I'm with you. I love your optimism. That's great coach speak. Take it week by week. That's what <laughs> he needs to tell them because as a player, you, you – you do look ahead a little bit, and you know your, your, the temperature of your team and how good you guys are. Um, so I'm sure they're sitting there scrolling through that schedule and be like, whoa, that's coming coming up down down the uh, down the road. But you have to make sure that you take care of each game week to week, and you know then you hope that injuries happen with different teams when you line up with them, and maybe you could finally start figuring this offense out later on in the year. But 
it's it's a week to week battle right now for these guys. And and your coach speak there was perfect. You just got to take it one week at a time. And the optimism is, I'm sure, what uh, Matt Nagy continues to do in that building. And um, I'm sure that's what he's preaching to him. We've had some amazing, um, healthy conversations between coaches and coaches, between coaches and players, players and players, players and coaches. That's what I appreciate the most. Oh, boy. Okay. That's a full circle. Yeah. I, I, I mean, now I've lost all my enthusiasm, frankly. No, no, I'm kidding. I picked the Bears, Pat. I, I did. I think I picked 17-14 because I think they, they kind of have to be on the under if, if they're going to win. And I, I don't know if you follow uh, sports gambling, but we know that the line is established to create – balance in terms of the wagers you know there's they call it uh vigorous right that is mm-hmm. the piece of the bet that the the casino would get and that's how they that's how they live so they don't they they don't want a lopsided game they want even money on each side and they set the line to create that it's not a prediction of who will win but they the look ahead line so last week they thought coming into this week that it would be the bears by six and um, and then the Bears had their clunker in Cleveland, and then you had the horrible uh, loss for Detroit when they had a game one. So now the line changed to four when it opened. It went to – I think it got down to two and a half at one point, but it's been holding steady at three going into this. I think it's going to be right there. I don't see the Bears – I see them being able to win because Detroit I have no faith in, and I think they find spectacular ways to lose. But I did take the Bears in the game. Yeah, I, I, this one, you know, you look at the matchups across the board and you, you see the Bears D-line against the, the, the offensive line and the, and the two, the uh, young rookie tackle, left tackle, and the, and the street, or he's not a street free agent, he's a free agent, uh, undrafted free agent right tackle. I just think that could cause problems for Jared Goff, and you're hoping that is the big difference maker, that they can get a couple interceptions, and this offense has to simplify what they're doing for Justin Fields, but I just don't know if I trust Matt Nagy to do that. I even don't know if I trust Bill Lazor to do that, to put the right offense out there for Justin Fields to succeed. And then after watching last week's game against the Ravens, I've watched all three games for the Lions, they play hard. They do bite kneecaps. They're not quitting. That's one thing they don't do, and that's what scares me is that if the Bears don't play a perfect game on defense, I see the Lions winning this game. So I actually have the Lions winning. I have the Lions winning 17-13, and that's what scares me is this team was so close to victory last week. The Lions were – the Bears were so bad last week. I just don't know if they can have that recovery game like the Bears' defense did after the Rams game and they came back against the Bengals and backed it up. But I just don't see that happening in this – this Lions game kind of scares me. Unfortunately, I think we're going to end up up being one and three. Yeah, and I think at that point, if that's the case, Patrick, if you are correct, then that's then all bets are off. I honestly, I think that then you know the people in the leadership roles at Alice Hall have to look at what's happening and have to do something about it because I I honestly don't think they come back from one and three start. I, I think oh, they really yeah. There's no way, and, and to me, this is yeah. This isn't about Matt Nagy. To me, this is about Justin Fields. This is about developing that young man to be a franchise quarterback. You missed missed the opportunity with Mitch. I don't know if he had the potential to, but now what we've seen Matt Nagy do with offenses, and we don't know if that young man will be a star quarterback, but this is the one you have to put everything into. This is the guy, and this is the most important thing for this franchise. 
if, if they go out there and win, lose the next two games or whatever, it's, it's in my opinion, it's time to make a change and put all hands on deck for Justin Fields. Great stuff. That is Patrick Manley. We will be back. We're going to talk about Justin Fields when we come back. we got to pick apart all, all aspects of it mm-hmm. and uh, prepare you for the, uh, the noon start. It is uh, the pregame show, and it is presented by Bet Rivers, and we are here on Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to score. Right after the game, you know, I like to you know, talk to the players and the coaches and the staff and you know, what was going on on the sidelines, and every one of them to a tee talked about his composure and his toughness and just how he handled, you know, an extreme environment like that he was in. So I think that all bodes well for the future. It is the pregame show with Olin Krutz and Patrick Manley presented by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. And Patrick, there you hear more from, uh, from Ryan Pace with WBBM. Uh, in the uh, in the interview he did during the week with Jeff Joniak, I, I'm just curious as you hear that. Um, I think it's great that the kid has composure. I mm-hmm. also think that he got his tail beaten pretty badly, and and the one thing you know the one thing that I can't get past, and, and I know I I I get too obsessed with the fourth down stuff, but the fourth and ten at the end of the game, where. Did, did, was that not already kind of uh, – uh, did we not know he was bound to be sacked on a fourth and ten yeah. at the end of the game? What's the point of that? What was the point? You know what? He hasn't really been hit enough. Let's get him one more time. Maybe we can injure his hand. <laughs> I'm with you. It just – you know, we've harped on this game plan, you know, all, all pregame show, and I just hope next week we're not talking about the same things. That, that to me, is the most important thing. Like – one, there's a win. Let's hope that. But let's hopefully see something better uh, in front of Justin Fields. Let's hopefully we see something designed better for Justin Fields. Uh, but last week was, you know, you're, you're, it was just, it was ugly. It was just, um, it was one of those games when you watched it live, like we did, and then I got the film and watched the film. The film was worse. That doesn't happen often. <laughs> and wow. that, to me, is is calling out the coaches because that's when you can finally see the scheme and why guys are put into their position to, uh, to not succeed and make it difficult on them. So that was, you don't get many games like that when you watch it and you're sick to your stomach and then you put the film on and you're even more sick. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and I, I think that there's no, there's no escaping the idea. You know, Matt Nagy went into the post game after that game and he, he said it begins and ends with me. And then we saw them go through mm-hmm. the week where they, Tried to find what else was wrong, and and who else ha- had problems, etc. Um, I I think we heard Bill Lazor claim there were different ways of protecting the quarterback within the game plan, and they have Max protects, and they have uh, uh, they can chip, and they can help with the tight end. They got five tight ends on this team. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I, I sometimes get confounded by why they do the things they do and how i mean it's just stubborn is the word i don't know what else to say about it it is and i you need to change the game plan during the middle of the game you need to put a tight end in you need to chip properly like they were scanning the back but he had nowhere to go because there were so many people missing their blocks but there was no there was no scheme behind all that chipping that i saw and just another example just a play that happened in the game is when number 28 sacked um, the safety linebacker for, for Cleveland sacked Justin Fields. They had a max protection play action pass. They designed it to have Cole Komet one-on-one against Miles Garrett. 
They had Jason Peters coming down, missing the double teaming with um, Cody Whitehair, and the running back not scanning to come back to either. He could either have been picked up, number 28 could have been picked up by uh, Peters or, or, the, or, the, uh, or the back. But this is their max protection. They, they one, have missed assignments, and then, two, have Cole Komet on Miles Garrett. That's a game plan problem I've talked about earlier. That's th- something on Monday and Tuesday. When you put this game plan in, that shouldn't, be, that shouldn't happen. You should never have Cole Komet one-on-one with their best defender. Right, right. Uh, the, you know, he, there's been no production from him. Um, yeah. and, and that's not an insult. That, I, I don't think there's been production from anyone. But I really thought well, in this offense, when you look at it, what they have done in Kansas City, I just thought they drafted him for a reason. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought they would move on from Jimmy Graham kind of this year. And obviously they, they kept him and, and uh, reworked that money. But I don't get it. I don't understand right. what, the, what the thought process is with how they're using the tight end and, uh, and really just with why they have so many guys. No, the Jimmy Graham thing was a mistake in the offseason. That's $7 million that could have been used in other positions. And then Cole Komet, to me, watching the film of him, He's not getting as open as the elite tight ends are. And you drafted him to be one of those elite tight ends. He's still getting blanketed a little bit. I was watching somebody break down a play, and they were like, well, Cole Komet's open here, NFL open, but he could have more separation or the more elite tight ends have more separation, which would have made an easier throw for Justin Fields. And I think what should happen and what needs to happen is obviously simplify the game plan. But these receivers, when the passing game, they're going to have to win their one-on-one matchups. They're going to have to be more college open for Justin Fields right now. You know, those wide open throws that Justin Fields had in college. And I think that's going to have to happen because you're hoping they do more max protection. You're hoping maybe uh, they bring in an extra O-lineman as a tight end just to kind of get the ball down the field. That that limits you your number of receivers out there. So you're going to have to win those one-on-one matchups. So a lot is on the receivers' hands as well to make it easier for Justin Fields. And I, I think the fear that I have, and it's just maybe an unwarranted one, but what I worry about heading into this game is that Fields held on to the ball. They're going to tell him to believe what he, to, to believe in the offense, to believe what they're doing. I just think there could be some picks. Like I, I yeah. my fear is that he was trying to protect the ball, and and to his detriment, he got sacked a lot. I'm not blaming him for that. I'm just saying that he did get sacked a lot. And so they're going to tell him, oh, no, we run these plays. You've got to trust the routes and throw the ball. And my fear then is that we're going to see turnovers. Yeah, I forgot. So what I was watching is that J.T. O'Sullivan had like a 30-minute piece. I don't know if you saw this on YouTube, breaking no. down the nine sacks. It was, it was an excellent piece. I don't know if the viewers want to go or the listeners want to find it. I know it was last week or whatever, but yeah. he just does a nice job of breaking that down and saying, okay, he's NFL open now. You got to throw it before that hitch. You got to throw it here. And I think you're right. He doesn't want to turn the ball over. And maybe this week they're coaching him. Just, just let it rip. Let it rip. But with this defense, and they're supposed to make a difference in the game, you don't want to turn the ball over. You want to get takeaways. That to me is the way they win. So we'll see what happens today. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Again, um, you know, you look at rookie quarterbacks in the NFL, it's been a really tough year for them. So here's hoping that that Justin Fields gets uh, everything correct today and everything right and and the help he needs. Hoping for a win. Yeah, we're hoping. But but there uh, there is a lot of legitimate concern. All right, so much fun. Patrick, thank you, buddy. We will talk to you next week and hopefully – 
we have happier conversations leading up to that game in Las Vegas. I want to thank everyone involved in the production. Thanks to Sean Anderson. Just fantastic work, Sean. Really above and beyond, given all of the issues going on around this joint. And uh, the pregame show, Mully, Ole Krutz, Patrick Manley, presented by Bet Rivers, official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Thanks a ton. We'll see you all next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.